Hello, and welcome to You Just Got Homeschooled. I'm RJ, and today I want to talk a little bit about how COVID-19 is likely to impact public education and what we can expect to see in the near future, or at least in the fall, um, when it comes to public schools. There's been a few different places that I've received some information from. Um, a lot of it was just made public. Some of it was just conversations with people and what their local schools or school districts have um, told them. And so I just want to talk about it because I think it's important for us to understand what's going on in education on a national level and on a local level so that we can better understand what our friends and family, the people that we know, we you know, go to places of worship with, hang out at the park with, what their kids are experiencing and how it's changing so that hopefully we can then be a, a light to them, right? That we can reach out to them and be like, hey, there might be a better way, especially if you're already part of this homeschool uh, community. Uh, that we can we can reach out a friendly hand and be like, there is a way that we can, you know, your kids can learn, and it's not as hard as you think. So let's get started. I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but the whole COVID nineteen thing has really shook up education. One of the greatest um, things that's been used against homeschooling as a movement has been, well, you need to socialize your kids. Now, I've talked about this in the past that socializing your kids is really not a fair thing to say because nowhere else in life do you only hang out with people within about 18 months of your birthday um, throughout the rest of life, right? Because most of your friends may be in that bracket, but you deal with people at the register, um, in business, you know, at work every day that range from, you know, probably as much as 30 years older or younger than you, depending on how old you are. Right, And that it's not really fair to socialize kids only in a narrow bracket of life. And homeschoolers actually have a much broader bracket because, by and large, they're in um, other places with their parents. So they're interacting with more adults than a regular school kid is. And they're interacting with more younger and older kids than a regular school kid is because their lunches aren't separated by time. Their periods aren't separated by time. you know, And they're not worried about you know someone stealing their lunch money. So that's one of the major things that's going on in the world. But COVID-19 is, is shaping that and, and, and basically destroying that because now it looks like kids won't even be able to interact amongst themselves in a classroom. At least here in California, it seems as if most schools are going to try to attempt some sort of model where all kids, at least the first, second grade or above, um, are going to be separated by at least at least six feet um, in the classrooms, like at desks. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in a lot of classrooms for quite a while now, one of the primary ways in which um, classrooms are organized, especially the, at the elementary school age, is in groups. So you have table groups. Oftentimes they'll take four desks or, or more desks and put them together into groups of somewhere between three and six students. Um, so that when it comes time for the teacher to walk around and, and teach them kind of in smaller groups, um, one, they're able to get groups that work relatively well together or do not have too many disrupting disruptive students in one group, spread those disruptive students out. Um, but it also allows them to teach a few students at a time when there's free time to work on things and check up on those students almost on an individual basis. Well, that's going to be gone. So now that close to individual edu- you know, attention that they were going to receive, they cannot receive, 
because the teacher is having to space them out. They're also not going to have the opportunity to interact with one another, which means that the students who get it cannot help those students who can't, which is a great help both to, for both students. I mean, the student who gets it and is able to teach um, is going to have that information solidified in them even more so. And the student that is going to receive that help or does receive that help is going to have the benefit of hearing it in a different way and have someone who can give them individualized attention. So all of that's gone. They're going to be wearing masks, which, um, you know, depending on what you believe, can, can run the gamut. But even if it does protect them, and we're going to assume that for the sake of argument, um, the rebreathing of your own carbon dioxide is not good for your brain. Um, your brain consumes a ton of oxygen because it is running like a high-speed computer and so uses electricity. So it uses oxygen. It burns it really quick and uses a lot of energy in the process. And when you cause it to, you kind of like bog it down by not getting enough oxygen to it, um, it's going to slow processing down. So not only are we not getting the interaction, we're also possibly slowing down the processing speed of the brain by um, cutting back its oxygen availability. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but we tend to learn better when we're with people. I mean, there are certain things you can't really learn with people, but especially academic things are oftentimes better in groups. Conversation, anything that's novel helps our brain to remember things. So if we remember coloring a picture with a friend in third grade, there's a reason that we remember it, and it's because there's an interpersonal connection there. We often remember who we learn things from or the events surrounding what we learned, and that helps us to remember exactly what we learned in the process, right? That's is why um, oftentimes study groups are great, because when you spend time talking about a, a subject, it's contextualized for you. That's all gone. Um, also, a lot of this, this schooling, right, the, the new model or the, the changing model because of COVID-19 is going to force kids to not come to school as often. Uh, and so they might have, in fact, I heard from someone recently that the younger grades at their school, it's an elementary school, the younger grades like kindergarten, first, second, are going to come like twice a week and the other three days are going to be distance learning. And then the fourth and fifth graders are going to come maybe twice a month and it's all going to be distance learning. And so in which case I look at it and go like, well, aren't you just homeschooling with a teacher teaching virtually, basically assigning homework, um, maybe giving some short lessons. But as a teacher, I know that I cannot service students well that way. I cannot teach them well because I need, right? We need as human beings um, to see children. I need as a teacher to see children and see how they're reacting. And more than their words or the raise of their hand, it's their body language and their facial expressions that allow me to see whether or not the kid is one, paying attention, but two, whether they're getting it or not. And you can't do that virtually this, to the same degree. This is why your kind of rote mechanical uh, curriculums, although they may cover all the material and may quote unquote, students may get mastery, um, I still question their validity oftentimes because I'm not looking for a person who can parrot back to me a bunch of information. I'm looking for a person who can take that information and synthesize it right, and actually understand it in a practical sense. There's a difference between someone who can follow a basic recipe and someone who can cook, right? That's not to say that following a basic recipe is wrong. I do it all the time. But a master chef 
doesn't start with a recipe and then he's a master chef. He starts with recipes, builds his repertoire, builds his familiarity until he or she can create their own recipes because they're kind of intuiting their way through it. They're artisting, right? Artisting, if that's even a, a, a verb, artisting their way through it. They're learning the, the, the art of cooking. And so then they're able to create out of, out of basic ingredients um, rather than just following a set of procedures. And so with school changing, right, they're removing the social element in many or all ways. They're limiting interaction between students and they're changing the environment from one where they're going to have interaction to, to utilize for the educational purpose to basically putting it all online as if the important part is just the basic information. Um, I think that they have basically undermined their entire premise for education. Um, I know that there are also other things, right? There's, there's kind of procedures that have to be attended to. Uh, it is, we as humans learn a lot that we're not even realizing that we're learning. How long or when were you taught, right, to stand in line to wait for things? Right? I mean, the chances are, depending on how old you are, you were taught in elementary school to stand in line. But that was different than learning to stand in line at an amusement park or at a grocery store. It wasn't so much something that you were actively taught, like, now we're going to the front of the store, we're going to stand in line to wait our turn. It's more like you were following mom in the grocery store, and you wouldn't, you, you know, you learned to stand in line when you wanted to check out to wait your turn. And you learn it through osmosis. And there's a lot of things that we learn. Now, if you think about this from a um, from what's going to happen in the fall with these kids, what are they going to be learning when every day they get into or they line up at the bus stop, sort of line up, they get there at the bus stop, they all keep their six feet distance right with their masks on. And someone steps out of the bus and takes their temperatures they're getting on the bus, right? I actually saw like a little ad, a little preview of what the school is going to look like in the fall from a local school or not local to me specifically, but Southern California school shoots you with a little infrared gun to see whether or not you have a temperature, right? What are you learning then? She's wearing a face mask. You get on the, the bus, the bus driver's wearing a face mask. You can only sit in every other seat on the way back or on the way, you know, to school. Then you get off and the teacher shoots you again to see what your temperature is. You keep your masks on. You stay six feet away from everyone that you think you might know, but you probably will not see their face at all this year. Or if you do, you're you know, possibly going to get in trouble for that all year long. And that's what's normal for you. What does that teach you? What does that teach you about your value? What happens if one day they shoot you with the infrared gun to see your temperature and it's orange or it's red instead of green? Now what? Who are you? You're the threat, right? There's a reason why we kept you separate. Everyone's separate. And everyone behind a mask. And everyone behind a face shield, right? So there's no smiles. There might be giggles and laughs, but we can't see the smile that goes with it. And I think that that, that runs the risk of doing some pretty significant damage to a person, any person, but very much a child, right? They've done studies with babies, um, where they've taken babies and they've had moms and dads play with those babies. 
and then um, they, you know, pre-talked with the mother and, and basically had her just go stone-faced, right? Non-reactive to the child. Um, this is like toddlers before they're even walking, right? These are, these are young babies. They're at the point where they can smile and giggle and move, but they can't like get away, you know, or run away. And what they found is that when a mom shuts down, the child will go to increasing lengths to get some form of reaction from that parent. They will smile, they will giggle, they will laugh, they will do anything they can. They will cry, they will wail, they will scream, anything they can to get any sort of reaction because worse than being hurt, like they actually tested this, worse than being physically harmed, the removal of the interaction and the 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 reaction and interaction of the parent and the child is worse for them seemingly emotionally than physical pain. This is why we all pick up our kids when they fall and they get hurt and we comfort them. It's okay. You're fine, right? The talking, the holding, the kissing, all those things are, are human needs. And yet our, our system now, because of COVID-19, has instead chosen or is, is choosing to isolate children, to cover their faces, to keep them separate, and to, uh, if they're even allowed to come to school, right, to separate them from the teacher and from their, their peers. And so I just wonder what that's going to do to these kids, right? And what it's going to do to these teachers, Believe me, as a teacher, when you got enough students, they're just numbers, right? It's not because you want them to be numbers, it's just how they are. And that's when they're in a classroom. Can you imagine a teacher who never actually physically meets any of their students? Right? How long before that impacts them? Where all they see of the student every day is their name on a screen. They're not a person. That's Jose. That's Sally. That's Billy, right? That's Sean. And it's just a name. There's no personality behind it. There's no smile. There's no laugh. There's no intelligence or curiosity. All there is is a name on a screen and a grade and a line in the grade book, right? That's it. And so it dehumanizes the student. And then the teacher eventually wonders, why am I doing this? Right? I'm not helping anyone. And it just goes down and down and down, farther and farther and farther. And I, I can't care about someone I don't know. Not the way that we would want our teachers to care. And so I don't think it's the teacher's fault and I don't think it's the student's fault and I don't even think it's the parent's fault or even the government's fault per se. But I understand what they're trying to do, but I think that ultimately it'll do more harm than good. And so um, for those of us who are homeschoolers, hopefully this is not anywhere near the experience you're going to have, right? You already, your kids already get individual or near individual attention, right? You know when your kid is yanking your chain or just trying to be frustrating or trying to wiggle out of something. You know when they're lying to you. You know when they can do more. You know when they're interested and when they're curious and when you can push them even farther, right? That's way more than a regular teacher can do because you're only teaching one, two, three, four, or five, six, seven, eight, nine, not 30. And so, um, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as kids go back to school in the fall, as your friends, your family members, as your nieces and nephews, right? As 
whoever goes back to school in the fall, to be aware of not only what is happening in the education system because of COVID-19, but also what could be happening to those children emotionally and psychologically and spiritually um, in this, this factor or in this, you know, in this, this time, this period, and what it could be doing to them and what it could be doing to their teachers and what it could be doing to your families. And so um, hopefully you found this helpful. I know it's a little bit of an odd topic, but it is something that I, find, I feel deeply about. Um, it's, you know, I got kids that would be going to public school and if, if we had chosen that trajectory and I look at some of the people that I do know that have their kids in public school and I, I can't imagine sending my kid to school to wear a face mask all day when I can't wear one without feeling the effects within 15 minutes, right? I can't imagine that. I can't imagine teaching where I couldn't see the kids smile right? I couldn't see and read their body language well because they're so far apart. I couldn't utilize the interpersonal connections in order to help, right? Control the classroom, but also to teach. And I can't imagine having that all stripped away entirely to do it all online in a format that is not personal enough, especially for elementary school kids. It's one thing to do with a high schooler, but especially with elementary school kids where you really need that, that personal interaction in order to really help. So I hope you like this episode. Please like, subscribe, hit the buttons, do the things, share with a friend, and hopefully um, I'll see you again next time.